0: Hello everyone. Welcome again to Association Iroko series of conversations about prostitution. Uh, my name is Esohe Agatise, and I am the executive director of the organization. And I'm very thrilled to be hosting you this evening. I'm very thrilled to have two powerful speakers again with us this evening, and you'll be listening to them very soon. Um, Iroko is a multicultural NGO which provides services to victims of sex trafficking and of domestic violence, um, as well as assistance to migrants in general. Our services include free legal and psychological support, cultural mediation, employment and housing search, and temporary economic assistance program, to name just a few. Iroko also carries out research and advocacy and is a member of several international coalitions, such as the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women, the Coalition for the Abolition of Prostitution, the European Network of Migrant Women, and the Brussels Call. Iroko has won several awards, the last of which is the Child 10 Queen Sylvia of Sweden Award of 2021. Uh, we created the film entitled The Journey of No Return, which is widely distributed in Nigeria and elsewhere as an educative and awareness raising tool. Um, it is important to know that Iroko is an abolitionist organization uh, which advocates for the abolition of prostitution and pornography and the introduction of the abolitionist law worldwide. And as one of the very first organizations to introduce the idea of abolitionist principles in Italy, IROCO decided to carry out these uh, series of webinars to educate people more about abolitionism. And this is the fourth in a series of seven meetings that we've been having since May and which will go on until July, 2021, every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central European time. So thank you very much and enjoy. Now I want to present our two wonderful speakers today. Um, Unhappily, um, Fiona Broadfoot, who was advertised to participate with us, cannot be with us this evening for personal reasons. And we do thank her very much for having agreed to speak, but unhappily she couldn't be here. Um, We definitely hope for another occasion to speak with her, and um, instead we have Rebecca Mott, to whom we are extremely grateful um, for having at such a very short notice. I mean, I only told her yesterday, Um, agreed to join our conversation this evening, so Rebecca, thank you. Um, Rebecca calls herself a radical exited woman, uh, because in her own words, She does not want to reform the sex trade. She wants it abolished. You can't reform something that is unreformable. She did did indoor prostitution of many different kinds, but her norm was that the punters were sadists. She now fights for abolition and a deeper understanding of how trauma affects exited women through her powerful writing and speaking, which includes her blog, entitled Exited Woman's Exploration. We'll be showing that on the screen in a short while. Our other speaker is Dr. Ingeborg Kraus, who is a clinical psychologist and expert in psychotraumatology. From 1995 to 2002, Dr. Kraus did humanitarian work in Bosnia and Kosovo especially working with women victims of sexual violence, which included assisting in setting up one of the first shelters for women victims of domestic violence in Kosovo. Since 2012, she has directed a psychotherapeutic counseling office in Karlsruhe, in Germany, and has treated many victims of prostitution. In 2007, Dr. Krauss co-founded a group within the Green Party against prostitution. In 2013, she initiated massive advocacy efforts to end prostitution in Germany, including a successful petition to all political parties. And we will also put a link to um, uh, her appeal on the screen soon. In 2014, she extended her advocacy work from a government focus to also target medical professionals. And through her advocacy, she has established a network of scientists and medical experts united in efforts to research, publish, and educate about the harsh realities of prostitution and the consequences to individuals' health and to society in general. You can read about it on the website that we will also show you the link soon. So now, um, Ingeborg and Rebecca, we are ready to start our conversation. And um, I will, uh, first of all, give a couple of minutes to Rebecca, who is also a Baldwin, uh, poet, she's a poet and writer, um, to read one of her poems to us.
1: Rebecca? Hi, yeah, thank you. This, um, this poem is called Train Passes. Only I always look out the window, hear trains rattling into my stomach. Only then I thought I'm sick, smelling dead semen gone weeks before. Only I listened Listen, trains going down and up as I lie seeing ripped posters, burnt tapes. I don't remember how. Only trains go on endless journeys carrying nothing to nowhere. Only I think this room is mine as I breathe In his air, only trains continue,
0: only I don't care. Thank you very much for those powerful words, and and with your permission, we would then subsequently want to publish it on our website. Thank you. So now, um. Rebecca, can you tell us a bit about your background and the work you do now? Yeah, yeah. Um, my background is that I come
1: from a, a family of, of um, a, a sort of upper middle class, I, sh- I would say. My mother did costumes for theatres and my dad was a publisher. They divorced when I was about five or six. And my stepfather was was uh, within about two years he was abusing me sexually and mentally, and my mother abused me mentally as well. So I I became used to used to being invisible at home almost like I tried to be. I used to stay in my room and or go out as much as possible. I entered prostitution when I was about 14, I think. And um, it was mainly because I was really angry with everything and also because I really hated myself by that point. I I went, to, I went with, a, with a friend who came from a pretty troubled home as well. And she introduced me to this, it was a club. And basically the men that went there didn't talk to you until the end of the evening. And then they took you to flats nearby. And it was quite, well, it was very sadistic what they did. And um, it was almost like a test to see if you would cry or be upset and I, I just didn't care. I, I really didn't care. And I was really badly treated that night for about six hours. I mean, it kind of stopped at six in the morning, really. That's, and, and that was my introduction. So I, I never did prostitution full time. I, I kind of went in and out of it. And it was always either in people's flats or hotels. Or, or, um, you know, occasionally in pubs, behind pubs, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was very, it felt very chaotic at the time. I left eventually, probably when I was about 22-ish, because I was really afraid of dying, and also I ran away from where I lived, and... I ran quite a long way. I ran from the southeast of England to the northwest of England. So, and it took probably about three years before my mind could actually see see anything of what happened. To, it's like I blanked it all out. And I gradually started, I actually did a project where it was this a project where I thought, it was nothing to do with me and it was doing a project working with um the uh, people in the NHS the National Health Service to to find out what prostituted women thought about doctors and I really didn't I was very detached from it and then it completely triggered me when when people answered the questions and I had a i would say i had a complete and utter nervous breakdown because i didn't understand that it was connected to anything mm. and that's when i first started remembering and it probably took me about at least 10 years to remember most of it to to remember enough to believe myself as well I, i've always been a writer since i was about well when i was a small child i used to write you know so So it came natural to me to write. And I think because my dad's a publisher Mm. and I did love my dad a lot, Mm. um, I was always obsessed with writing. Uh, So I started writing a blog basically because other people asked me to. And I didn't think I would do it for longer because I always pick up things and then get bored of them quite quickly. Mm. And I've been doing this blog it ended up; it's getting on for twenty years now, so it's it's stopped being a hobby and become my work. And right. through the blog, I, I give speak. I've been asked yeah. to be a speaker, but the best thing that I in that it, that's happened through the blog is that I've met exited women from around the world, and that's been to me the best thing ever. You know, that's
0: fantastic.
1: Sorry, that's I went fantastic. on a bit,
0: yeah. did I? no 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 you didn't you're within time no no i was just commenting that i'm really pleased to hear about that work you're doing now and we're going to um put the link to your blog on on the uh, i wonder if ruby can very quickly do that later yeah i have slowed down a lot with my blog so don't spend that much you know yeah great okay So I I will come back to you a little bit later. But now I I will go to Ingeborg um, to tell us a little bit also about her background. And uh, Ingeborg, could you tell us about how you came to specialize in trauma and prostitution and also about the work you do now?
2: Uh, Yes, uh, I had a a webinar on Sunday also with Rebecca. And uh, I'm very pleased to see her again. Awesome. And the last question. I uh, I answered very shortly. Uh, you know, the, the last question was uh, how how could uh, women overcome, or what message could we give women to overcome trauma, something like this. And I I answered very shortly. I said that you know uh, people who really changed big thing in the world. Uh, behind them, there is a trauma uh, very often standing. And I also think that Rebecca, uh, with her writing and uh, things she's doing, talking about her life is changing a lot, helping to, you know, people understand what prostitution is. Actually, uh, myself, I I don't know if I can say, uh, uh, that uh, I was traumatized, but my mother was uh, heavily traumatized. So I grew up with a mother who was complex traumatized. Uh, and what does it mean? It means, uh, as Rebecca said, you know, she couldn't remember everything about her past. She was he- heavily traumatized. Uh, last year, like and when you are complex traumatized, you have dis- dissociative symptoms, and she has those symptoms very often she fainted very often, but it was not organic, it was uh, because of the trauma flashbacks she had and so on. So very early uh, I was asking myself, what is it, what is dissociation?" So I grow up with this question and it was clear that I will study psychology and afterwards, you know, uh, specialise in this to to ask myself, what is dissociation? It's very complex dissociation. You don't have one form of dissociation. Uh, And uh, anyway, now uh, I'm teaching people, you know, understanding dissociation and uh, what impact it has on people. So the, the trauma I had to live through, you know, I changed it in something positive, yeah. And I hope that people, you know, who went through heavy trauma, of course my trauma was not uh, so heavy as other people uh, went through, change it in power and strength, yeah, exactly. I thought this is uh, what uh, was my motivation to specialize in trauma. Thank you so much.
0: Just listening to both of you and seeing um, the work, especially that you're doing and knowing the impact your work is having makes you know doing this kind of work, of work worthwhile. And the people listening are able to understand what it means when, when, when Rebecca is speaking about the impact of our experience, those who like to um, undermine and change our language to something else are able to understand the impact it has on people and to change their approach. So thank you both very much. Um, I just wanted to mention that we recently conducted some research interviews with victims of trafficking for sexual exploitation as part of the EU army funded Quadis project that we are currently doing with partners from um, different parts of Europe. And we found unsurprisingly that economic hardship was one of the common factors that pushed them to make the journey to Europe. But we also found that almost half of those we interviewed, and these were all Nigerian women, had also suffered trauma, such as fleeing from armed conflict or losing family members in conflict so that this previous trauma seems to have exacerbated the push factors in their trafficking journeys. Um, Sorry, this is with relation also to other women who were interviewed, not just Nigerian women, but other women who were interviewed in other countries that are members of this project. So we know that trauma in childhood and adolescence is often observed in women in prostitution. So my question now to both of you is, why is childhood trauma observed in many women in prostitution? And what kinds of previous trauma are often associated with entry into prostitution.
2: Well, perhaps I can start, and then uh, perhaps Rebecca can uh, say something about, uh, so this is a study that has been done uh, in 2004, but I think uh, today it will uh, have the same uh, statistics. Yes. That's done uh, in Germany, uh, a tw- ten t- over 10,000 women have been asked about what kind of uh, violence they have been uh, living through between 16 and 25 years. And uh, here in, in uh, uh, red, uh, you can see, you know, that uh, women, this has now nothing to do with prostitution, you know. Yeah. Uh, just in general, women, you know, 13% uh, have experienced a heavy form of sexual violence. So this means with uh, uh, contact, you know, sexual intercourse uh, or touching. Uh, 34% have been living through, you know, a large definition of uh, sexual violence, like listening, Mm -hmm. watching pornography, very early and so on, uh, or mentally being abused uh, uh, and heavy forms of sexual harassment. um, And, uh, other forms of, uh, like physical violence, 37 percent mental violence, um, and so on. So this is very common. Uh, a mm-hmm. woman who uh, who reaches the age of 18 is uh, has a, I mean, high percent uh, to uh, have experienced sexual violence or other forms of uh, uh, violence. The same uh, statistics have been reported by the VHO. Uh, 20% Mm -hmm. of the girls uh, experience sexual violence, and 5 to 10% of the boys. The Mm -hmm. same also by uh, national research in in France. So it's all over uh, Mm -hmm. the world the same statistics, you know, and uh, the perpetrators. Ninety-four percent of the perpetrators come from the close environment. Mm. Uh, this is important to know, as uh, Rebe- uh, Rebecca said. You know, uh, her stepfather abused her, and her mother uh, abused her mentally. Yes. Uh, so we, we uh, in general, we have two. We classify the trauma uh, under two types, and this kind of violence is the most heavier forms of violence. It's trauma uh, too chronically and cumulative and interpersonal. You know. and prostitution is also considered, not, we here in Germany, my movement of trauma therapists, we consider prostitution as uh, one of the heaviest type of trauma. Mm-hmm. And when you go through this in your childhood or even later, it, may, it does something with you. Many uh, of the uh, women who experience this type of, of trauma in their childhood, they develop you know, strategies to overcome it. And uh, the result, the consequences of repeated sexual violence or other forms of uh, violence in childhood is that you develop a, a deep feeling of worthlessness. And you feel like disconnected to the world. But yeah, of course, you know the feeling of trust in relation in people and in relationship is shaken. Yes. You don't develop, you know, a feeling of your own limits, and you cannot protect yourself uh, adequately. A deep feeling of hopelessness. You know, you are disillusioned about the world, about people, about. Uh, uh, Yeah. And also psychosomatic uh, symptoms are uh, very uh, often like stomach aches, chronic fatigue, uh, and so on. Difficulties to regulate the emotions and dissociative symptoms like you cannot remember everything or very often if you get triggered you, you disconnect from yourself. It's called depersonalization. Uh, you have the impression that you observe yourself and everything like standing three meters by side uh, on your side and uh, other kinds of uh, dissociative symptoms. It's very, uh, again, you know, my mother fainted and she didn't faint it only once a year. Sometimes she fainted five times a day and uh, heavily. You know. yeah. uh, anyway, uh, this is um, what I wanted to share and uh, what uh, kind. And of course, you know, when you have, it's called complex trauma. Uh, And if you start life with complex trauma, you know, the entrance in prostitution uh, is easy. Yeah. Uh, Many women told me, uh, you know, who have been abused in their childhood, that it was totally normal, you know, being in prostitution. It didn't feel like uh, violence because they have uh, already uh, experienced violence before. Yeah. And, and uh, so some of, of the women even said that, uh, you know, uh, they felt uh, even the word, word good is not the right one. But through this, um uh, negative, do uh, you call this affirm- affirmation, you know, they got money uh, for being uh, sexual abuse. Uh, uh, the man said, oh, you look uh, pretty, and this is uh, this negative affirmation. At, at some moments, they feel better, but not because it was uh, good for them, but uh, uh, for this, you know, what uh, they went through before, you know, now they got... Uh, money and uh, yeah, so it's uh, difficult sometimes to uh, come, go out of this uh, by, uh, by, by circle.
0: Thank you very much um, Ingeborg for that, um, um, for those slides and as you spoke, um, I was just thinking of the news that was on the BBC today about, you know, the way that sexual harassment is being normalized in in the UK by school age, young people, the way that, you know, it's become so normalized. Ofsted did a, a, a report and they were horrified to find out that what we would, what we know is extreme violence that leads to this sort of trauma we are talking about is becoming normalized by you know, the use of social media, the easy access to pornographic materials and the way young people are being bombarded daily with all of these very, very negative information and images. Um, Rebecca, uh, I think you want to tell us something about that too. Uh, what about childhood trauma or what? Yeah, about the they... kinds, the, the kinds of previous trauma that are yeah. often associated with entry into prostitution. You know, yeah. the way that childhood trauma um, all, all other, facilitates yeah. that entry.
1: Yes, I, I mean, I I mean, I think there's like multiple reasons that, they, it, it, I, I think you always need to look before, beyond the stereotype that you have of a prostitute mm. and think the opposite sometimes to that stereotype and think both are true. You know, I mean, I think when people say they know every everything that pushes women into prostitution or girls, then they they can't because it's there are so many multiple reasons and childhood abuse is just one of them. It is a major one, but it is it isn't the only one. The same with poverty. Poverty is not the only reason that people enter prostitution. I mean, a friend of mine who, who, who's an exited woman said that most women who enter prostitution have at least two or three different reasons why they were pushed in. Different, you know, and, 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 and I also personally, I believe that if you have strong self-esteem, and strong self-love, it's fairly impossible to be part of the sex trade. It's kind of really hard. So I would say the vast majority of women and girls inside the prostitution, that self-esteem is a very important factor that you, we have to look at. You know, We have to realize that we cannot expect people to exit if they don't if they don't believe that they are worthy of life or, or worthy of of being treated well. You know, we have to, we have to work on the fact that they, they, the women and girls inside prostitution need to be, it, it needs to be long term the idea of exiting, not not not, you know, that we can just take them out and they'll be fine there needs to be a long-term idea of it. I do think that childhood abuse is a very important factor because it. Um, nearly everyone I know who was in prostitution and abused as a child believed that this is all they were worth, this is all they were, that they are basically... Se- they, they think they are sex goods, basically, and, and it's... It doesn't like like In- Ingerberg was saying that they don't. It's almost like they don't know it's violence. They don't know it's abuse. I mean, I remember being with um, men who who used to like be disgusted by by men, other men abusing children who were not prostituted, and I'd be sitting there thinking well, that's bizarre, you know, you don't care when you come here. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't, exactly. I, I felt that in a very detached way, you know, not in a, not, you know, you should not be hurting me, just in a, like, that's really weird type, you know, like like some sort of very, very detached sort of feeling of, like, um, and I think that, you know, the, I mean, I think it was Angela Dorkin who said that incest was the, was was a route into prostitution and we really need to see it as one route not the route into prostitution because if you see any any of the reasons as the only reason then you're then you're basically abandoning a lot of women and girls to the sex trade because I feel the same about when people say oh it's only poverty if it's only poverty I would have been completely ignored, because I was never poor I was never poor, you know. I I mean, it'd be lying to say I was. But it didn't prevent men from treating me like a piece of trash just because I had money, you know. So, yeah, I think when we look at the roots, we have to look. We have to constantly be listening and hearing and, and looking deeper all the time. We can never rest looking at the roots of, the, of prostitution. Yes. People, you know.
0: Yeah. You, you, you see, um, the work we do and listening to survivors and, and carrying out research, which is very important, um, over and over again confirms what you just said. There are so many, so many different um, roots into that hell that women say, and there are so many. And so sometimes so very, very unexpected routes also. And this this we have discovered. So, um, and uh, another question I I wanted to ask is that, do you think there are differences um, between the trauma experienced by women who are victims of trafficking and those who ostensibly chose this path because we keep hearing about how trafficking is different from prostitution. You shouldn't bring them together. Trafficking has nothing to do with prostitution. Um, So I just wanted to know, are there differences in the the trauma that's experienced by women who are, you know, in, in the sex trade from these different routes?
2: So I can start and perhaps Rebecca can uh, mm. tell her experience. Is this OK? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I continue to oh, that what uh, Rebecca said just before. You know, yes. This, uh, consider every case individually. There is not one, you know, uh, one reason why women enter prostitution and there is no one trauma uh, that will uh, uh, come out of uh, one sort of prostitution so for me it's very important you know to to uh, to consider the, the things individually and you cannot put everything in one pot and this is also very important for me to say that because <laughs> i i listen uh, In the past, uh, you know, people who say, you know, everything is prostitution, you know, we should not make a difference between uh, uh, voluntarily, because I don't think that this really exists, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Prostitution and trafficking, you know, is the same. It's a little bit difficult to say if something like this, because if you put everything in one pot, I mean, you do a favor to the, uh, uh, to the um, perpetrators, yeah. why? Because you make them invisible. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, a little bit uh, difficult uh, for me. And it also doesn't really help uh, the women, you know, uh, who have been trafficked to overcome their trauma. Because one thing, you know, who, who will really help to overcome the trauma is understanding uh, their own story, you know, and very precisely, and sometimes it takes years to understand, you know, what has been done to me, how uh, uh, how did it happen, in which vulnerability was I, which vulnerability did he use the trafficker uh, um, of mine, and so on. Uh, uh, This is uh, important uh, to know and so that it helps also to integrate the trauma. Hmm. Then, uh, I will continue to say which criteria are important, you know, to know if a trauma will have deep impacts and uh, perhaps not so deep impacts, if Hmm. the the age is important. If the trauma uh, is uh, happening uh, early, the impact will be deeper. So if the entrance in prostitution will be um, 14, for example, Hmm. uh, then it will have a a, a deeper impact. And if you are pre-traumatized, if you have experienced sexual abuse uh, from you know the beginning of your life, or with five, six, or seven, the trauma will, the scars will be deeper, because. Your brain is not finished, you know. You haven't yeah. developed a self esteem, you haven't uh, developed, you know, mechanism to calm yourself down. All this is not finished. And if this is interrupted with chronic trauma, uh, then uh, the development of those uh, capacities, uh, you know, will be you know, impacted. Uh, And then uh, another thing uh, is also important to know um, that the violence in prostitution can be also different. If the limits of the women uh, in prostitution is deeper in Georgia, then the trauma will be also deeper. Today in Germany, if a woman wants to earn money, she she needs to offer uh, sexual services without condoms. So things like this, you know, your limits will be injured, deeper of uh, offering kissings, or, or if you exit prostitution with HIV and so on and so on, you know, if you are injured uh, uh, deeper, the trauma will also be more difficult to uh, overcome. Then uh, the difference between uh, trafficking, uh, it's important also to know it. Fraud, you know, uh, is, you know, th- some women with the lover boy method, they, they believed in this uh, relationship. They went into prostitution to help, not because they wanted to go into prostitution, but to help. They knew that prostitution was not good. So, you know, overcoming this, Fraud, you know, realizing, you know, I have, it was a, a technique, it was not a person who loved me, but he used me, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. This uh, also leaves deep scars. Also to realize how the trauma bonding uh, that are happening uh, by uh, trafficked women, this is also important to know. Anyway, and uh, of course, the situation after prostitution will uh, also be uh, important. You know, uh, are you in danger? You know, if you exit prostitution, if you are in danger, it will be more difficult to overcome it. Are, are you in a se- insecurity? If it's a Nigerian woman in Germany, she will be sent back. You know to. Uh, Nigeria? Or, uh, so she will uh, permanently uh, uh, live in fear? Do you have people who will help you? Do, do you have uh, a, a surrounding helping system uh, who will uh, establish, uh, you know, help you to establish a new life? Do you have a job? Do you, How many years have you been in prostitution? Because prostitution yeah. is stealing you all, all, those, uh, uh, all those years all those are uh, factors, you know, who will yeah. uh, help you or, or, or not help you to, uh, you yeah, help you trauma. Exactly. Okay, wow,
0: okay. Um, I, I wanted to ask um, a specific question. Um, how, how how does trauma manifest in women who have been in prostitution
2: mm, but perhaps Rebecca. wants to say something to this question do you want to uh, yeah
0: no i added that as a question really for a if she wanted to comment on the first one yeah. and then,
1: yeah yeah i'll do both
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah well i i mean i personally find it very difficult to separate out um Uh, trafficking from any other form of prostitution because i feel that most prostitution if not all is the conditions of trafficking according to the palermo yeah protocol or whatever so therefore you know i don't i get annoyed i mean i think to have them separated i personally think does do a favor to the sex work lobby because they want it to be that there's good and bad prostitutes. There's the ones that they can say, oh, they, they're they too mentally damaged, uh, or they're like, you know, because they've been trafficked, you know, they're just really damaged in every way. And, and, and then there's the ones that they can say, look, they're happy doing what they do. And really, I... In my experience of the sex trade, not many women who do it long term stay in one form of, of one part of the sex trade. They're moved around a lot and they've moved into different parts of different aspects. And often part of the movement is to go into more violent parts or to go where they're breaking your barriers down and so if somebody did go in as an adult and they felt they went in willingly they they can be just as dehumanized by the sex trade because they they they've had centuries to learn how to break women down they know they know everything that they need to do i mean a close friend of mine went into prostitution when she was 21 she went thinking it was short term and that she would um, she would um, get enough money to get out again, which is what a lot of women believe and she ended up so traumatised by the sex trade that and also one of the reasons she was very badly traumatised was because she had so much self-blame because she felt like I went in because I chose to, I chose it, you know. And mm-hmm. I find a lot of women who went in as adults often blame themselves in a way, like if you go in as a child, like I did, you kind of quite soon on, on with in the healing, you start thinking, well, I was a child, It went, so therefore I did not use it. And and so you begin to recognize that you you recognize quite quickly that you didn't choose it. Now I'm not saying that you don't blame yourself for lots of things, but the it can be very hard for women who have chosen it to have to believe that anyone will listen to them if they say this is bad, this is like I don't like this, because they because they can feel like, well, who would who would care because I, you know, I'm I'm the good prostitute. You know, I'm the one that that, um, that people say is happy, people say is content and is earning lots of money and all that. And, and I think it's very important when we talk about trauma to recognise that the sex trade is constantly manipulating women and girls so that they constantly, when they feel they understand the sex trade, the sex trade will manipulate it. So it becomes like Alice in Wonderland, that they don't understand what's going on. They have no idea. Because part of the part of the trauma for me is, is you're in an environment where all the rules you think you understand can be broken at any time and in any place. I mean, like every time they wanted to punish me or the people around me, they sent us to somewhere where they knew the... Hunter was very violent but you never knew what you were being punished for you weren't told what you were being punished for you just knew you were being punished and part of my experience was that we weren't allowed to talk much now that's quite a traumatic thing to do to people because it means when they do actually get to the state where they they feel that they don't know the language that they should speak in because they have no language And that's probably why I became a poet first, because I didn't have words like I do now. Yeah. And I feel like part of recovering from trauma is finding language, is finding the words that fit your experience. It's not, for me, it's not about inventing a new language. It's about saying the words that we already have.
0: Mm.
1: belong to us as the prostituted women as much as they belong to everybody else and therefore i am proud to be a speaker and i'm proud to be a writer because i was silenced for most of my life i was always told that i lied you know and that what i said was a lie so therefore to me it's like i feel the power that exited women have is to say
0: we're not just that we're speaking out, but
1: actually we are truth sayers. Yes, you know.
0: Finding the words to, to explain what happened. You see, we, we know that silence is the, the biggest weapon that perpetrators yes. use, that they have and use against survivors. They silence them, that's the very first thing they say. You mustn't tell anybody, you mustn't say anything. You must stay quiet. And, and, and those are very, very powerful words. So I, from what both of you said, I just wanted to quickly jump to a question that has to do a little bit. Next week, we're going to be concentrating on the bias because we think that is extremely important because they are really the ones on which the, the stigma and the attention should be on, but society tends to leave it on the wrong side. So we're going to be talking about them next week. Although the question of manifestation of this trauma, how does it manifest in women who've been in prostitution? I just wanted both of you to very quickly say some words on on that and then we can talk about how women can be supported to overcome the trauma. So if you could just quickly say a few words on that first part of it, on how it manifests. Yeah um the I
1: mean I feel that that when you're in prostitution, part of the survival technique is to be completely disconnected from from your body and from from your mind as well yeah. and to um and one of the major things that I find is that the further I get away from prostitution, the more ill I feel physically sometimes. You know, it's like the physical side is almost like saying awful things happen to you, which you might not remember clearly. It's like the body saying, I remember, but I don't have the way of betraying it. Um, I feel that body memories are really important because they are like a, a thing of saying it's true what happened to you. It's true. You know, I mean... I mean it's like to me a body memory is almost like when somebody gets their leg chopped off, that they, they still yeah. feel their leg, you know. And yeah. that's a that's a known experience and people kind of well they don't understand it, but they they're used to people talking about that. Yeah. They're used to they, I mean, they might not understand. But um I also think that it affects affects your sexuality as well. And I do think that I personally find that I have always been very confused about my own sexuality since leaving prostitution. Because although I would tend to say that I was a lesbian, I really don't have any real proof that I am. Because um, I don't like having sex, (laughs) you know. Because I'm afraid of the anger and the, the sense of, self-hate that comes when i have sex and it's like i i mean and so i avoid it i basically avoid it you know since coming down here i've thought more and more about that maybe i should be a bit braver about trying to get a relationship but I i'm a bit lazy but I I, I I the more further, the more you don't have a relationship the more you quite enjoy being single so it's kind of like it's like you know but um you know there's certain things I'm, I'm the more single I am the more selfish I am <laughs> you know, so, um, but I do think that um, there's a lot of ways that it affects your I mean it affects memory as well I think because I was abused as a child as well yeah. that my memory was knocked out of me you know it's like I have a lot of I mean, my sister tends to think that I'm autistic, but I I personally don't think I am autistic. But I think I would rather she thought that than get upset, you know? So (laughs) I kind of find it easier to talk with her about autism than. But one of the things is that when I was being abused a lot, I was shown a lot of porn by my stepfather and shown, and it wasn't just ordinary porn it was really heavy duty porn I mean it was Hustler it was Marky Desard it was you know it was and he showed me um you know he took he he gave me to listen to the tapes of the Moores Murders and things like that I mean it was really heavy stuff it, and it made me block out visual memory completely I just I just completely blocked it out and said. Th- and, and I've never been able to regain that, and I really it makes me really upset that because I love reading, and a reader, I mean, I love, and I can't understand descriptive writing because it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like if I read Dickens, it's like, well, what's he going on about? You know, so, but I find with me one of the reasons. One of, one of the gifts that I was given as, I mean, I think trauma isn't all bad, you see, I think it gives you gifts. It is that one of the reasons I became a writer is because I'm very obsessed with classic ghost stories and film noir and, and things, things like that where, where the terror is never shown. It's kind of in the corner of the room or it's somebody mm. who might be mentally ill. And that's Instead. my experience of trauma: is that it's not something that people people can easily say. Well, it's not true what you're saying, because there isn't. You can never prove what happened to you with prostitution. It's like you can never prove it, because usually you're in the room with one man, or you're on the street with one man, and you're alone, and nobody is nobody is making a record of it. Nobody is. You know, nobody's, and, and usually when it's done, the first reaction you have is to block it out and to, and to pretend it didn't happen or to, or to just go into the supermarket and think, right, I'll just do something really ordinary. And you don't even acknowledge that it may have been painful. So it's like nothing happened to nobody. And I think that is why I connect to ghost stories and I connect to the film noir more than I connect to research or to that. I mean, I, mean, I always say that when people say what influences your writing, I say Edgar Allan Poe and M.R. Um, James, and most people don't understand, but to me that makes total sense, or, or fairy tales. I say, you know, the more sort of Grimm's type fairy tales, not the, mm-hmm. not the ones where it's all got a happy ending, but the ones where it's really quite brutal
0: those are really, really, really powerful testimonies of the impact of the trauma in prostitution. Just speaking about the question, for instance, of um, being able to recognize and acknowledge your sexuality, that's a huge one. And I don't
2: know if um, Ingeborg wants to say some words about this. I just wanted to show you the etiology epi- uh, of PTSD. So, yeah. nothing to do with prostitution, but what? Yes, comes, uh, you know, it depends of the trauma if a person develops a PTSD or not. So, if a woman gets once raped, uh, she has a fifty percent chance to develop a PTSD. If you come back uh, from war, you have a twenty percent. Uh, chance to develop a, a PTSD. So why should uh, women uh, in prostitution, you know, be uh, happy sex workers? It's not logical because prostitution, you know, can paid uh, uh, sexual violence. Uh, so um, from uh, the side of psychotraumatology, prostitution is only possible with dissociation. So again, you know, I, I, I share your opinion, uh, uh, Rebecca, That uh, there is no difference, what kind of of form of prostitution you go through, it will always impact you. Uh, So, of course, you know, I just listed here five studies, there are much more. I can give you uh, double as much studies that uh, women in in prostitution are classified as a high-risk group for PTSD. So between 47% and 88% develop a PTSD. And I think it's much more. But uh, uh, at the moment, you know, because PTSD uh, sometimes develops uh, after the exit of prostitution. But these, these are studies uh, where women have inter- have been interviewed during prostitution. So it's more than, it's like three times more uh, than uh, coming back uh, from uh, a war. And I I also said, you know, it's more complex. Yeah, as uh, as, a, you know, coming back uh, from war because uh, when you are in war, you, you know, you have uh, a gun or uh, you have a protection, you go somewhere and you know your mission uh, and you come back and you, uh, you get a reward or a medal. When you go back uh, from uh, when you exit prostitution, you know uh, n- nobody recognizes uh, uh, your trauma, and you don't get help or whatever. Uh, so the trauma is of course also higher. And these are just a couple of studies, but uh, there are much more uh, general studies that when you have a PTSD the comorbidity with other uh, uh, problems or uh, symptoms uh, are is very high yeah so uh, like uh, drug addiction uh, alcohol and so on uh, so it's the same uh, with prostitution uh, yes. Uh, these are the possible consequences, of course, PTSD, loss of self-confidence, Rebecca uh, has. uh, Uh, um, If you could just um,
0: tell people what uh, PTSD, maybe for some of the listeners,
2: they may not know what that is. Very shortly, uh, PTSD is, you know, that you have, uh, the fear you experience during the trauma uh, is hunting you. It doesn't... uh, uh, the trauma you are experience uh, is uh, is there a- in everyday life you know re- you refeel the trauma uh, if something uh, is triggering it it can be uh, once a week but it can be also 30 times a day yeah so mm-hmm. uh, if you get triggered 30 times a day at that moment you know you feel an intense fear and uh, you have the impression that uh, you're not uh, at the moment but you you are kicked back uh, in the moment where you have been traumatized Mm. it is uh, very tiring you know Uh, uh, women who are working and have a ptsd tell me you know after three hours of working they feel tired and it's not only you know you are okay and then Uh, And then you get a flashback and you you refill the fear, but most of the time, uh, your system, you know, of uh, protecting you, your alarm system, is constantly on. So you uh, are constantly in a uh, feeling of uh, of distress. Yeah. Uh, And this is also very tiring. Avoidance behavior is very often, uh, it can be... Uh, as uh, uh, deep, you know, that you avoid uh, things that some uh, women uh, don't even go out of their apartment anymore. Yes. Because everything is getting, you know... Too uh, difficult, too heavy. Exactly. They're Mm -hmm. getting rid of everything. Okay. Well, the consequences are very multiple, and uh, we uh, very often we talk about uh, mental uh, consequences, but uh, don't uh, forget physical health.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm I'm seeing that there are also physical health impacts from it. And this is also important for people who work with women uh, who exit prostitution or who are still in prostitution. Yeah. Uh, like there have been a study done that traumatic brain injuries are very often you know because the women are getting hit on the head so that it's not being seen and it has long-term impact headaches very uh, often and so on and so on
0: yeah thank you very much both of you these are really really extremely serious consequences the impact is really outstanding. And, and following from that to kind of pull us a little bit up to the positive side of things, um, how can women be supported to overcome this trauma? All of these things that you've spoken about, how would, how, what what kind of things can be done to support the women to overcome? Or I hesitate to use the word overcome, um, or deal deal with the trauma? What should be done? What can be done?
1: I always find this question quite difficult because I, hmm. I, I feel that we need to um, look at it more that it goes around in circles or it's like a dance or something that that it's not a simple I, I mean the thing that I find very difficult is when people talk the language of healing or they talk the language of a linear road that where you like, where you know, you go from being a prostitute to being this person that is whole at the end of it. And I feel that's a very simplistic way of talking about it. I feel that one of the things I tell people, and I, especially when I'm talking with other exited women, we kind of talk about being friends with trauma, that actually going actually not it's like not being afraid of trauma that trauma actually is not your enemy you know it's not you know it isn't it is a it's an instinctive reaction to to poison being put in your body I it's the way I view it and therefore it's on your side <laughs> you know um and yes it has it seems like it's attacking you but actually I see it as a friend rather than an enemy. And it's like, to me, that means that you listen to trauma, that you actually, when you have enough space and time that you can actually learn from trauma, can learn what your body went through. You can learn how you survived. You can learn, you can learn that you, actually have a power that you didn't know you had had inside of you you can learn that you gradually you learn empathy with other people and also you learn to actually say oh yes I can feel sorry for myself sometimes I can actually it's okay because part of prostitution often is that you have to be really tough and really hard and 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 like nothing affects you and you don't ask for help and you don't and you don't show that it's painful and you don't show you're scared. And I think trauma says, like, yeah, you're scared. Actually, this is scary. Or says this is really painful. This is really painful. I mean, to me, trauma is is not your enemy. I mean, it's like I feel like there's so much literature that writes about it as if it's some sort of war that you have to go on with trauma and I think it's like we should be actually listening to trauma more and saying what can you teach me about how I survived you know and how I how I managed to get out of it and mm-hmm. all of that and I don't know if this makes any sense but I that, yeah,
0: yeah it, it gives a very very you know it gives a very very interesting and in my view positive way to handle the, the challenges of trauma so I think that 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 comes across as something that gives a kind of optimistic view on life in in a very difficult situation I don't know if uh, Ingeborg I mean, I'll, I'll just
1: add the on one thing yeah is that Yes, most of the exited women I know hmm. have such a love of life that I've never met in other people you awesome. know, i know, met a lot of people who say they love life but we can't it's almost like we've we've faced death and we have and we it, we haven't died and yeah, we've been told exactly. that we should be dead you know by by society by the sex trade yeah. and we we're not dead and so therefore I personally think that to me being alive is is amazing you know so it's kind of like you know it's kind of like to me it's a second against,
0: chance like a second yeah. chance at life that becomes yeah. even more interesting and more powerful yeah, um, than and, and also having a boring
1: life is really lovely having you know i like not having events in my life i like not having <laughs> having anything to worry about or to you know, I like I like the fact that actually I live a, a very, you know, even though I do all this campaign and basically I live a very boring life. <laughs> I live a very, you know, I do not, I don't do exciting things. You know, I I'm very boring. I watch a lot of television and listen to the radio. <laughs> you know, you know. So and that, that's yes. the way I want it. You know, I don't want to be, I don't, you know, it's like like that. Tony's saying it. Helen's living in interesting times. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it is.
0: <laughs> you know, so. There's, there's so, such um, an original way to see this yeah. issue and it's really, really very interesting. I think we should take some time to talk more about it later, yeah. you know, on, on another occasion. So I don't know if um, Ingeborg wants to say something to
2: this before we move on to the next question. Yes, you know, I I could uh, say a lot about this, uh, but Mm. I I join what uh, Rebecca said, you know. You know, I learned many, many techniques, you know, EMD, I'm also a supervisor, I train people in in trauma. Mm. But the most important is listening, you know. Uh, You know, there are people who are coming uh, and, and say, uh we do know a 25 uh, session program so you learn this and this it's important you know it's important to uh, uh, people to uh, to know how what to do when they have a, a intense fear hmm. not giving solution is is not good you know is uh, letting people down but the most important is really to understand you know really understanding uh, what happened to them. And for this, uh, you must be... you connect to that person. Mm. I connect every time individually to that person, and every story Mm. is individual. Yes. Uh, And this connecting and uh, perception of... uh, uh, of the trauma will help to integrate you know this this vision of it that one person understood it what the person uh, herself didn't understood at that time you know will help to integrate the trauma i mean i have at the moment a woman who who came uh, uh, from russia and she came from an upper class uh, family all uh, her, the people in her family were university professors and she yeah. whole, uh, you know she got into prostitution through a lover boy and, and stayed there for 13 years so wow. those 13 years have been stolen to her if this didn't happen to her she would have had a complete different life now so you know of um, um, of course uh, also, she has self-blame as uh, another woman who, who would uh, enter in a different way. I'm not saying that one trauma is is yeah, worse than the other, me. but you know, how can you integrate this? How can yeah. you, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, difficult. And she today, she says to me, you know. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm strong today. Not this guy made me strong, but I overco- overcame it. I survived it as Rebecca said it. I live, I could have died, you know. So she can feel now her strength and she can- Yes. Feel her worth. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, um, a common way you go with a person, it's not only giving them techniques, which is also important, because if you don't give yeah. them techniques, for example, she had in the night, you know, uh, night paralysis, you know, she dissociated during uh, uh, when she slept, you know what that means, yeah. that, uh, she was completely dissociated uh, through a nightmare, and she mm. didn't know what to do? So I gave her some techniques to come out of this. So both is uh, important, uh, uh, giving te- techniques, but the most important is listening, understanding. Yes. And this will strengthen them. You know, connecting to them. You
0: know. Yes. Um, wow. As we speak, the, the 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 complexity of the issue we are treating is ever more. Apparent. We've got lots of questions coming in. We don't have the time to answer those questions. I, I realize that we'll need another one and 90 minutes to even begin to uh, you know, give all of that, those answers. But in the um, 10 minutes, more or less, that we have left, let's just try and quickly, very quickly, respond to some of the questions that have been asked um, before we finish up, so I will just ask both of you um, just a minute each to try and see if you can answer some of this. It says, um, there was a comment, is that um, how do we get to a situation where we can talk about trauma? Because it seems like the moment we need to talk about it the most is the moment we can talk about it the less. So that's a, that's a very powerful well, word. Well, yeah yeah and then he says is self blame is self blame a way to find meaning to the atrocity and how do you remove it how do you remove self blame you were going to say something to that first comment uh, Rebecca
1: I was just saying that it's impossible to say it in a minute
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I know we've got some well, Some of the questions are going to require at least the uh, 90 minutes to yes, respond to yes. them. <laughs> so, you, you just tell us something about that. Just tell us something. Well, what was it
1: again? No, sorry, I've, I, I forgot. Yeah, one. Um,
0: uh, um, it was, uh, is self-blame a way to find meaning to the atrocity of prostitution and how do you remove self-blame and um, there was also a previous question that's asking what do you think about asexuality and whether it could be a mere response to childhood trauma?
1: I don't think you that make simple connections like that but um, mm. I also think that some people w- will choose to be asexual and will be very happy with it so yeah. I, I don't think that you know, I think probably the majority of people who are abused as children probably are not asexual. So mm. I don't think there is much connection. But, um, mm. you know, just because I, I am doesn't, that's not, that doesn't mean much, really. Mm. Um, it kind of um, self-blame. Oh, my goodness. I mean, self-blame is something that. I also feel like trauma is that you learn from it. You don't you don't just you don't just tell it to vanish because it won't mm. vanish. The more, you, the more you tell it to vanish, the bigger it gets, the bigger mm. the mm. bigger it gets. So it's almost like learn to learn ways of living with, you know, learn that you will make mistakes, learn that you will trip on the journey, that you will, you know, that you will that. I mean this is why I don't like linear ways of looking at things because it's kind of like to me if you think in that kind of way you're kind of like making people lose hope because they will make mistakes they will make yeah they will be in situations where you know you just have to be overtired and you can fall into self-hate you know (laughs) you know but but then you sleep really well and you think well what was that all about you know I'm fine (laughs) now you know so it's like you know self-hate is not always a major thing sometimes it's just because you're overtired or because you're stressed from work or you're Mm. or you're or you're or you've had a you're, or you've shouted at your nephew or something. <laughs> 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 because, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not always it's not always deep and meaningful. It's kind. Sometimes it's just a reaction to the stress of life. Yeah. You know, because life yeah. is stressful for everybody. For everybody. So, I mean, it's not. And also, people who have not been a, a prostitute get self hate. So, you know, it's not. It's not. It's a human reaction to life.
0: I'm Sorry, worried. no, I was just looking, there was a new question, yeah, about yeah. stigma
1: too, yeah. Stigma, <laughs> I read that one, I read that. Okay. The stigma one, I mean, I, I personally think that stigma was invented by the sex trade and told to prostitutes that, they, that they're stigmatised but as a way of saying, don't go to the outside because they don't understand you and they will not listen to you, and if they do they're going to betray you somehow. And actually, if we're going to have stigma, then the stigma should be on the on the men and the yeah. people that sell the people that sell these women. And, and, and it you means, know, yeah. we don't but I definitely think the stigma of that people, especially the sex work lobby, use this idea of stigma as as a as a scare tactic of saying you know we mustn't we mustn't say about the conditions because people will stigmatize us even more and actually it's a silencing technique now yeah i was just
0: thinking that
1: (laughs) you know and it's a i I mean i think it's become a myth that people you know i mean it's almost like an urban myth you know and Mm -hmm. the more people say it is there the more people believe it but actually the stigma goes on the men know it is a men that we should be you know if if there is stigma that's where it is it's on the men you know
0: i agree with you on that yeah so um we have about five minutes left and we still have a couple of very important questions so what do we do um (laughs) No, this, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 this was actually about consent, you know, he says that, that although we know that consent cannot be bought, and the money in prostitution represents coercion, there is a common idea that women in prostitution agree to the abuse and violence they suffer. And so the question is, how does this affect them psychologically? I think to some extent a little bit of that has been answered in, in, in some of what both of you said previously. But um, I don't know if you want to say a few words to, um, to that before we, we then go on to, to the final um, important question of how best, um, the best way to debunk the widespread notion of prostitution as sex work. Mm. <laughs> that, that's, that's a lot to ask
1: together, isn't it? I, I mean, I think when you're inside the sex trade, a way of surviving is by forcing yourself to believe that that it must be your fault, that it's happening, mm. Mm. that it's kind of either that you consented to it in, in some sort of way or that you're just such a bad person that this thing keeps happening over and over again. And one of the worst things about trauma, I think, is is breaking down the things that the sex trade has told you to believe um, and breaking down these belief systems that the sex trade, like that you consented, that you that, that you chose to be there and all these kind of things are mm. are things that is you're brainwashed a lot when you're in the sex trade and i think that break, breaking down brainwashing is really painful for what and and it's like i think that this consent thing is a very dangerous thing that that for prostituted women because it makes them and also it makes it that it's just about the individual woman and the individual man and it's not it's it's yeah. a whole system that has yeah, been God. going on for at least 3000 years you know yeah. it's not a it's not something that is just happened overnight you know is yes. and it goes on in almost every every country in the world so we can't just that sort of dismiss it as the individual what happened we have to see it as a systematic way of breaking down women and girls especially and and a systematic way of of it forming a class that is called prostituted that yeah. can be can be treated as a sexual good and then thrown away Well, if you see see it for what it is then consent isn't it's a relevant word It doesn't have, if if you're making women into sexual goods, there's no, consent doesn't even enter the room. You know, it doesn't even, there's no, such. you know, there's no, it's like if you buy yogurt, you don't ask the yogurt if it wants to be bought. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't, but, and that's the way men view buying a prostitute. You know, it's like men will say, it's like buying a hamburger or, you know, so so they they're buying goods, they're not buying a person they're buying goods, so therefore it's closer to slavery than it is to the idea of consent uh, yeah. you know yeah. I mean, so I mean, I just think consent in in when it comes to prostitution is not relevant, you know we need to we need to just stop thinking that way because it doesn't have any relevance
2: from the point of view of, of psychotraumatology uh, we uh, don't see uh, any consent you know in prostitution yes um yes because uh, you, don't cons- uh, you don't consent you uh, don't consent to sexual violence uh, but uh, Rebecca said that uh, you are brainwashed by the sex trade but uh, it's not um, only the sex trade or I would say. Our government in Germany is part of the sex trade because we have a law that uh, is uh, saying that uh, consent exists, you know, that uh, prostitution can be chosen as a job as any other. So this this pushes women uh, uh, into prostitution. And I had also uh, some women uh, who were not pre traumatized, who uh, came not because of poverty who were not trafficked and you know because of this law uh, uh, there were students and they said okay I will you know earn a little bit of money uh, by side and uh, they came out heavily traumatized because it's, it's a system not only uh, you know <clears throat> the, the act uh, uh, is uh, traumatizing, but the whole system will traumatize as in you, as Rebecca said it. And of course, when you go in with this kind of false consent because you were pushed in it by the sex trade, the system, the system, where also the German state is part of it, uh, then you don't realize, you know, you think. It's your fault, so you start uh, blaming blaming yourself. You don't uh, 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 understand in which kind of manipulative system you were in, and as a psychologist, you have to explain them. You know uh, oh, yeah. how uh, uh, it uh, how uh, those women were were manipulated. This time, not by. Uh, a trafficker or a lover boy trafficker but this time the state is a lover boy trafficker Uh, or uh, a pimp whatever yes who pushes the women uh, into prostitution so you have to uh, you know distort the self-blame uh, do psychoeducation, you know, also to, to say that self blame is a survival mechanism, that it helps you to endure violence and hopefully to turn it into denunciation, you know. I, uh, uh, and this is what you are perf- uh, doing perfectly, Rebecca, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. you denunciate the uh, system yes. and to help with your words, uh, women yes. to overcome the self blame. Uh, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, we
0: are a, a little bit over time, but I think with, the, with, with, with um, permission from um, listeners, um, let's take about five minutes to just quickly run through the last one before we close out. And that last question is the one we asked to everyone about what you think, what you find to be the best way to debunk the widespread notion of prostitution as sex work, so can we take a couple of minutes each to do that, Rebecca?
1: Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I can you go back for you first? Yeah, I, I'll go second.
0: Okay. In yeah. Your book. Just, yeah. Okay. What what would you say would be the best way to debunk that notion of prostitution as sex? Well,
2: work? I. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about this question and I, I see prostitution as a symptoms of a disease uh, inside the society. You know, it's not a healthy society who will still have prostitution. Uh, so it's a symptoms of something that is going wrong inside the uh, inside society. And I showed you before, you know, yeah. you know uh, children who are not protected uh, uh, we have many, many problems uh, mm. where uh, children and uh, women and women's health and the mothers who are, will become uh, uh, women who will become mother uh, are not protected. Well, how, you know how, how can you allow you know men to to buy a pregnant woman? There must be something wrong inside the society yeah uh, so um uh i think we we have to you know go to the roots and uh, see the problems and when you look at the history you will uh, see you know how much destruction man did we have to uh, uh, yes wars uh, Genocides, I don't know so much uh, and it's still going on. Yes. We have, I don't know, I, you will laugh now, but I think uh, we need to implement a humanity passport for, for men. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah. to, they learn math, uh, they learn uh, yeah. geography, but they don't learn, you know, how to uh, become, uh, 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 and uh, you know, then have no feeling of empathy or how to behave or not doing this. Uh, You know, we need to introduce a passport to become humans.
0: Yeah, on on, on
2: how to stop dehumanizing
0: women and commodifying them and turning them into into, um, goods that can be bought, sold, used,
2: yeah. Completely different, standards, you know, yes. uh, standards are built on, uh, you know, your money, I mean, you know, uh, uh, a president like uh, uh, the US had, uh, it's uh, crazy, you know, uh, something is going wrong, deeply wrong, you know, we need to uh, uh, look at the uh, uh, different values uh, than, uh, you know, those capitalistic values, those uh, patriarchal yes. and uh, male oriented values. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. Um, I think um, we can, except Rebecca wants to say something else, I think we can stop here. Do you want to say
1: something, Rebecca? Yeah, I, I briefly. Um, I mean, okay. I per- personally think that um I tend to like say to them, "Look at the two words that, and realize that both those words have absolutely nothing to do with prostitution. That it's not sex, you know. It's violence and control. It's and and it's definitely not my definition of work, you know. It's 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 work is to me work is where you have some dignity, where you where you're treated as a full human being." Yes. And actually, often people quite enjoy their work. You know, I mean, you know, people, pe- a lot of people who are in the sex trade lobby go, well, everybody hates their work. That is rubbish. Lots of people love their work. And some people might just like their work, but they they definitely like, like the, the stability of work. Yes. Yes. You know, and you do not get stability in prostitution. There's no such thing as stability in prostitution, um, and also if it is work, then tell me where else do you work where you expect to be raped every day, every single day, where you expect to you expect people to treat you like a piece of trash all the time, and that and how many jobs do you expect that you may be murdered? You know, I mean. Most deaths from work are either accidental or man-made. They're not, or you know, they're accidents either man-made or natural. And the vast majority of work, when people die, there's either an inquiry or there's compensation. Well, who inquires when when prostituted women die? Most of them just disappear. They just um, they're not even named. So. So I mean, you know, I want to know what they mean by work when they say work, because I don't think it is any definition of what anyone, any logical, any just normal person would think of as work. You know, just as I as say in England, the man on the clapping under ask him what he thinks work is. I mean, you know, I. Just think, there's no, you don't expect to be tortured when you go to work, nobody does. And if you were, you would be, you'd be writing to newspapers, you'd be writing to your politicians, you'd be, you know, yeah. you'd be doing all sorts of things. I mean, so that's my answer. <laughs>
0: you know. Those are powerful, really powerful words. And I want to thank you so much um, for those powerful words with which we're closing today's session. And you'll be happy to know that the the Italian Constitutional Court in 2019, while um, reaffirming the constitutionality of the Merlin Law, which abolished Um, criminalization of people in prostitution, of prostituted women said, you know, something very close to that, that there's no dignity and it is not work and that it could never be considered as work. Uh, Prostitution is not work and can never be considered as work. So thank you so much. I want to thank both of you, um, Rebecca and Ingeborg, for your Kindness in participating today, for your very strong words and for educating us on a lot of things. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a lovely evening, have a lovely weekend, and talk to you soon. <laughs> bye bye.